All right, guys, episode 41 of the podcast. Today we have Nicholas Warren Sturry, the author of Reflections on Morals and Ideals. And I felt like we had a, a, an amazing conversation, and hopefully you guys enjoy it as well. And, yeah, I'll see you guys on the next one, all right? Peace. Man, so I uh, – dude, no, I don't really play guitar at all, man. Like, I, I was uh, maybe like six or seven years old. My dad was like, all right, this, this kid's got to do something. I was just like running around wreaking havoc. So he's like, all right, I got to give my son something to distract himself with. So he bought me like an electric guitar and uh, had this guy come over, give me guitar lessons. Dude, I was like, I, I were had... Were you into it or were you just like, I was not into this? Dude, like, I my dad made me do this. I couldn't focus on anything, dude. I mean, I, I had like an ADHD diagnosis, so it was pretty much like impossible for me to sit and focus on anything for any period of time. So I definitely gave my guitar instructor uh, some help. Yeah. You know? It was cool, though. I had a good time, like, playing around with it. And, like, I, I got a friend in Nashville now who gives me guitar lessons, classical guitar lessons every now and then. And I kind of just fiddle around with it. You know? nice. I think it's good, man. I, I think that everybody should, um, should at least, like, have some sort of a basic relationship with music. Um, whether it's just, like, a, a guitar or maybe you have, like, a drum and you just, like, fuck around with it. But... Some kind of like relationship with uh, with creating creating music, yeah, and, and it doesn't even have to be good, but just uh, exploring that. I think it's good for us, you know. Yeah, the process of just creation in general, whether it be your music or like drawing or yeah, yeah. you know, painting, just yeah. creation in general, right? Scribbling, scribbling, yeah. Just drawing, yeah, just doodling, with, even with like crayons or colored pencils, dude. Yeah. It doesn't have to be good. And that's the thing, dude, like everybody, everybody is, is worried about when they make something, it has to be a certain way for somebody else. Yeah. But it doesn't have to be that way. You can just fuck around and just make something for you. Like that, uh, banana that was like taped to a, a wall and it was sold for like $500,000 or something like that. Yeah. Something crazy. Yeah. How do we do that? I've got a plum in the car. Oh, dude. We can go ahead and pull it off. I mean, I'm down to sacrifice my plum. It's going to get us half a million dollars. Oh man. Maybe uh, launder some money through that. I don't know. Yeah, dude. You know that that's actually a really interesting point, man. I have heard that that uh, <clears throat> that's how like a lot of money gets laundered. Yeah, through is, art. It's through art. Yeah. Because I mean, what what else? What else? Are, how else are you gonna, you know, move fifty million dollars in product, piece of canvas? Yeah. And maybe that's happening now with like these NFTs. What do NFTs you think? and uh, I also uh, cryptocurrency as well. Really big on like big for laundering? Yeah, well, I don't know if it's the term laundering, but uh, people from China, um, they can't take that money back to them to the United States when they travel. Mm. Um, so they use Bitcoin, so they buy Bitcoin, they go to the United States, and then they withdraw the money over here. So it's like a way of, I don't know, transferring money from China to. This is like. Is that considered laundering? I don't know. I don't think so. No. no? I don't think so. I think that's just being smart. Laundering, that is smart. Laundering yeah. is like taking dirty money and making it clean. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, you watch like Breaking Bad. Yeah. Dude. Walter White. Dude, great, great series, man. Was <laughs> man. He pulled it off with a car wash, dude. They use that car wash a longer. Dude, yeah. that guy had so much cash. Remember that scene where he's in that storage room, and they're just like him and that dude, just laying on this pile of money. Oh, was that uh, the security guards? Yeah, security guard. Yeah, dude. Fuck. I like that show a lot, dude. If you had that much money, would you would you like want to like keep working or like 
you know, was, is there any motivation after that? It's like, yo, I have all this money. I just want to chill, dude. I don't know, man. I feel like that's a very hard answer or uh, a hard question to answer until you're there. I mean, I feel like some people, I know people with a lot of money who, who, uh, want, just want more. Yeah. I don't know, man. I mean, I feel like if I, can you, sorry, can you, uh, talk a little bit closer yeah, just so it, it uh, switches over to you? I mean, it's like, is that good? Yeah. There you go. All right. <laughs> There you go. I'll get right up next to you. There you go. Um, yeah, man, I think you were asking me if, if you have that much money, would you even want to keep working? I don't know. I guess it depends on where your mindset's at, man. I mean, the people that I know who have, like, tons of money, like, really high net worth people, like, they're sharks. Like, a lot of them are sharks, man, and, and they definitely mm. want to keep eating. Interesting. Just like a total competition mindset, you know? It was funny because uh, me and my friend were talking about Tom from MySpace. Yeah, this is the guy who made MySpace. Yeah, I think he made MySpace. Okay. And uh, he just made MySpace, you know, to what it is now and sold it for millions of dollars and now he's just chilling in Hawaii. Yeah, see, that's smart. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that's, I mean just from coming from my mindset, that's something that I would love to do, man. Yeah. Yeah. Total financial. I, I feel like, I don't know, man, I mean, what do I know? I, I don't really, I can't predict the future, but I feel like if I, like, won the lottery most people, you hear these stories about these people who win the lottery and like it's gone. Like they, they spend it like super quick. Yeah. And maybe this is like very, it's probably actually very arrogant of me to say, but I feel like if something like that happened to me, I feel like I'd be able to pull it off and I, I wouldn't fuck myself up too bad. Yeah. Um, I think it's just the knowledge of how to manage your wealth because uh, people aren't really taught that in school. No. I don't think so. No. If not, then uh, it just kind of just goes over. Like my head, it, like I don't think I was taught that in school. No, I mean I, I definitely yeah. had like microeconomics, and and some of that stuff, but I wasn't like personal finance. I don't think that there was a class in my high school that taught personal finance. Yeah, I don't think that's I don't think that's much of curriculum at all. And it really wasn't until like I read Robert Kiyosaki mm. that I started to even like think uh, differently about. Is it still is it switching over? All right, it's working. Yeah, I just like kind of imagining. I need like someone else like running all this video stuff so I don't have to worry about oh really this side yeah so that's in the future definitely in the future I want to well dude uh, you're, you're, grow, you're growing this thing man you, you went yeah. from what you went from one camera to two cameras uh-huh. right yeah so what's the next what's the next move what's the next upgrade uh the next upgrade is definitely another camera so so it's cool with this uh system here so when both people are talking at the same time it'll switch over to the third camera so that's cool that's definitely the next upgrade and um uh you know like I think you talk about this in the in this in the book, um, manifestation. Um, I read this book called the Master Key System. Mm. I think it's up there. Yeah, grab it. Is it up there? I think so. Let me grab it. My friend was just telling me about this book. My friend Carrick in Nashville. Oh, fuck. Anyways. That's not a huge. <laughs> Anyways, in that book, it like talks about. I mean, I'm sure in many other books, like The Secret and stuff, talks about manifestation and um, just visualizing and just putting yourself in that moment and feeling how you're going to feel in that moment. And then th- what sorts of smells are you going to smell when you yeah. get there? And it's like, dude, yeah, man, I, I definitely I don't know if I have a pretty vivid imagination. Yeah. And like I dream pretty vividly and I can like I'm able to, if, when I meditate, I'm able to visualize things like very richly recreate smells touch 
tastes. And um, I think like I was even reading a, uh, it was a, it was a manuscript. I, I can't remember the author of it, but it was actually, it was essentially like a, an exercise, like a series of exercises to like strengthen what you're talking about, right? Mm -hmm. Like the ability to manifest something. And it talks about how you go through these different exercises where you close your eyes, right? And for, for, you know, a certain period of time, you, you recreate tastes mm. like while you're meditating. So you just focus on recreating flavors and tastes mm. and you do that. And then another one is like sounds, smells, touch. So you essentially, it's, it, it's this whole program of going through and exercising your ability to mimic your five senses internally. Wow. I was thought That's it was pretty really cool. cool. I thought yeah. it was neat, man. No, I thought it was really cool. I, th I thought it was interesting. Some people can't do it. I mean, I think that everybody probably has the ability to at some point, but some people just don't have the imagination to do something like that. Um, but the yeah. people who do, I think those are the people who are the people who choose to exercise that and, and, and work on that. I think those are the people who are the visionaries, man, who can see, who can see things for how they can be and not as they are. Mm, who can yeah. see into the future, who can, who can pierce through reality, right? And create something that's not there. And then if they have a work ethic, they can actually make it real. Yeah. Kind of like that um, video of Steve Jobs when he talks about, like, you know, once you realize that you can manipulate reality to a certain sense, then, yeah. Yeah, dude, I think it's pretty interesting, man. Yeah, just the whole the whole idea of visualization is, uh, and, you know, some people, I mean, some people take it too far, man. Like, there's some people who, who will tell you, like, The Secret, like, that's a cool book, man. And it, it really, it really introduces you to like the idea of like the power of your mind. Mm -hmm. I mean, it, like when I, I think I read that book when I was like 21, ah. 20, 21. And that was my first introduction to the, to the concept of my mind being connected to like my perceptual world. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it's not just like in my head. Can like you, like, go more in-depth of that just yeah, well, like, for other people that are listening? Yeah, so, like, this, the whole the whole premise of that book is, like, you know, if you think about something enough, it will, like, happen, right? Mm -hmm. So I guess, like, a lot of people, or maybe this is just, like, a natural inclination is to, is to think that, like, what's in our head and what we think about is just in our head, and it's, like, just there for us, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what, what that book talks about and what, like, a lot of this – personal development literature talks about that kind of touches on some of these spiritual ideas is that your thoughts are actually are actually bigger than just your head and they're actually interacting with the world around you and and the whole idea of the the secret is that if you think about something enough you can actually like if you think about like a red car like red car red car then at some point you'll actually have a red car yeah so it's the or like you'll start seeing red cars more often. Or you start like seeing that. red yeah. cars, yeah. So, so it's kind of it's kind of the mm -hmm. idea of like, you know, our brain. I mean, at least the way that I think about it, man, is like our brain is some sort of a some sort of like a, a remote control, yeah. Right, and like the world is the television, and through interacting with our mind and setting intentions in different ways, we're able to interact with that television. Um, in different ways too. Yeah, um, just like the radio connect, uh, picks up different frequencies, I think our brain is also a radio that picks up uh, uh, different frequencies um, from 
I think Nikola Tesla or many people call it the ether, which is sort of like, like, uh, yeah, we're picking up from a source, either like a source or something internal yeah, or right. external. Yeah, bro, the ether. Yeah. yeah, so that's like that's the idea of like uh, it's like it's any and it's even like some like old um, like I'm trying to think. I, I don't want to I don't want to misrepresent something, but I, I'm pretty certain it's old like Chinese um, culture. The ether is actually like one of the elements, like one of the main. You have like water, fire, or maybe the, I think this it's is the actually five, uh, the five. I think this uh, is Greek actually. Yeah, yeah, you have water, earth, fire, air, ether. Yeah. And the ether is like that, like mystical. It's like the the element that is in all the elements, and like permeates everything. It's the idea of like this, like this space or this like substance that that is in everything and is a part of everything. And kind of like we said, yeah, it's like the source, and things can like move throughout the ether. And uh, you know, I guess like the best way to think about it, maybe just like the air around us. Like we can't see the air. But it's there, and it's like always moving around. So that's like uh, the the um, Sumerians uh, scientists discovered the five platonic solids, like these little clay uh, things that were made during the Sumerian age. And um, yeah, they, I think they had knowledge of that as well. Yeah, it's, it's pretty like trippy crazy, stuff, man. It's, it's pretty sure stuff. And you know, I'm I'm like not an expert. Like, I'm not either. I'm in just, any of this, really. These are just stuff that I read and kind of makes sense to me. <laughs> yeah, dude. I mean, this is just, you know, we're just rambling at this point. But, yeah, man, no, I mean, I, I mean, this stuff is super interesting. These yeah. people, like, the people who figured this stuff out, like, these philosophers, like Socrates, Plato, you know, the, these guys were so smart. I mean, they were able to perceive the world in such a unique way and figure these things out. Pythagoras, and it's very interesting how much all of it actually like boils down to the study of mathematics, mm -hmm. you know, and I'm, I'm not a mathematician. I'm not that good at math. My father's very good at math. I got like C's in math. Mm. Um, but something that I've noticed, man, like a repeated yeah. pattern is that at some point, man, all of these, all of these spiritual paths, like all of these, um, philosophies, mm -hmm. like they all, they all come back to math and numbers. Yeah. And um, I just think that's uh, I just think that's interesting, man. I really do think that's that's interesting. And um, what what's that one? Uh, the golden ratio. Well, yeah. Yeah, and it's on like sea shells and stuff. It's yeah. like repeated. That's pretty trippy, man. I don't know, dude. I mean, it's, um, it's just stuff that like I read about, and it, and to me, it resonates with myself because I don't know. It's just, it's just a sort of feeling that I have. Um, it just makes sense to me. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, dude, that's, that's some pretty, like, diving into that stuff, like sacred geometry. <laughs> dude, that takes, that's it. You got to have a serious brain on you, man. Yeah. I mean, diving into that stuff is, that's, that's, that's like a lifelong study. It is. You know, and then like gematria. Oh, shit. We were even talking about that, like. What's that again? Numbers. It's the idea that, like, so this is, this is, um, this is like a Kabbalistic concept, right? Which is like. Which is like mystical Judaism. Um, a, a portion of that is the idea of gematria, which is essentially the idea that each word has a number that's associated with it. And if two words share an identical number, then they carry like the same essence. Mm. It's kind of the idea there. You know, I don't really I haven't really studied it too much, but yeah, it's just a lot of it boils down to numbers. 
You know, yeah, a lot of these yeah. like a lot of these like mystery schools and these secret societies like they study geometry, you know, and they study numbers. And you know, some of them even say that like the creator um, is a mathematician. Like speaks through math or some, speaks something. Speaks through right? math. Yeah. That's something that I've heard as well. Yeah, it's pretty trippy, man. Yeah, it's pretty. And you know, this is stuff that I don't, I don't even know how to even begin to understand some of that stuff. I mean, that's just so. It's just beyond my fucking. I mean. Dedicating your life to that, I feel like you'd have some grasp of uh, understanding of that or understanding of that. There's a guy named Robert uh, Robert Grant, and he lives in uh, he, live? he lives in uh, Laguna Beach, I think. Mm. And he's a mathematician, uh, but he also, I believe, he is a mathematician. Um, but he, I've recently watched his social media pages blow up, nice. and he's doing a lot with using mathematics to study Egypt, to study Da Vinci's paintings, yeah. essentially applying algorithms and different mathematical sequences to these old pieces of art and these, these ancient sites. And it seems like he's, you know, digging up some pretty interesting stuff. Yeah. Um, I would, you know, he's, he seems like a pretty cool cat. He seems super smart. I would recommend, uh, if, if people, if what we're talking about right now is, as pique the curiosity of anybody listening, I would definitely suggest that they look up uh, Robert Edward Grant nice. and check out his stuff. It seems that he ta- he does groups to, like tours to Egypt, you know? Okay. Takes people out there. You were just in Egypt recently. Yeah, I was in Egypt uh, January of last year, and it was, it was mind-blowing, dude. I didn't, I didn't have a plan. I just went there by myself, um, but it was so sketchy just landing at the airport. I didn't even have an Uber set up. Yeah. And people were just hitting me up. Hey, do you need to ride? Do you need to ride? And obviously, it's a different culture. Uh, different culture. I don't speak the language, and um, it felt kind of scary, bro. Dude, it sounds like it, man. You, you ended up getting a ride. Like everything went smooth. Yeah, everything went smooth. I went to my hostel, um, just roamed around. I met uh, this tour guide, Rashid, and um, shout out Rashid. Shout out Rashid. Yep. And uh, he gave me a tour of uh, the Bent Pyramid. I actually went inside. The Bent Pyramid? Bent Pyramid and the Why is it, is it is it bent? It's bent. So, okay, so I don't know how far it is from uh, Giza, which is where the Great Pyramids are located. Okay. But that Bent Pyramid, from what I remember, um, it's it's a, it's where they, it was built before the Great Pyramid, and they were trying to perfect the angles to get it right in order to um, get it to a certain point. You yeah. know, but it was, they were off on their math and it, it came out bent. So that's why they call it the bent period. <laughs> yeah. It came out bent. Dude, yeah. imagine, imagine being the guy, imagine being the dude who was in charge of that project. And he's like, all right, put, put the last stone on. And then he's like, all right. And he stands back and he looks at it. And he's like, fuck. Fuck, dude. <laughs> I, I done fuck. I done goofed. He's like, this is fucking bent. <laughs> he's like, where did I go wrong? Off with his head. Yeah. And he, but you know what? That's interesting, man, because that, like, now we're talking about Egypt, and it kind of just brings us back to the whole math thing, man. Yeah. You know, they were able to, um, they were able to uh, connect everything through astronomy and mathematics. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and it seems to me like mathematics is a, a big mm-hmm. part of astronomy and understanding, like, the stars. Yeah. So they were, like, lining those pyramids up. And even, like, Stonehenge is, like, lined up with certain, like, eclipses. Like, that's crazy, man. Yes. There were master astronomers, ast- master astrologists. Yeah. 
Holy shit. It's pretty interesting, man. And now, you know, I mean, I don't really have any astronomical knowledge. I didn't really, I don't think I really learned much about astronomy in school. But, you know, these old societies and these old cultures, especially these mystery schools, Mm -hmm. dude, they had a huge value on astronomy. Like, that was very important to them. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of interesting that we don't really study it much now. Yeah. Um, Kind of going back to, uh, like, the Bent Pyramid and the Red Pyramid. So, apparently... Um, th- there's uh, underground tunnels that lead from there it's all the way to the Great Pyramids. And, like, right. that's even fucking mind-blowing. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's the sort of the the legend I, from what, I'm, what I was told over there. So Really? Yeah. Do you think Dude, and, and seeing, bro, and seeing the fucking granite that was precisely cut. Yeah. Like, you can't even fit a credit card in, the, in those, like, blocks that were stacked together. Really? Like, they're that smooth? They're that smooth. Dude, and to say that, and to say that, um, I guess the the current scientific consensus is that they were barbarian, not bar- barbarians, but it's just like stupid people yeah, who like yeah. didn't know anything. Yeah, definitely doesn't make sense. That's definitely that's <laughs> no. definitely not the story that I'm gonna stick with. I have a friend in Nashville, his name is William Henry, and um, he does that show Ancient Aliens. That's sick. And he. It's not that dude with the crazy hair. No, it's not him. He's got cooler hair. He, he, he's he's still he's still got some crazy hair, but it's not as crazy as that guy. I think that guy's name is George. Okay. Um, shout out George. Shout out George. Yeah, he's definitely built a brand for himself. But dude, William would definitely say, um, and all those guys in that show would definitely say that some you know aliens or something built those pyramids, man. And this is I mean this is a conversation that I guess that a lot of people have had. Yeah. I don't know. I don't. I'm I'm like open to really any idea of it. I think that, you know, some people have, have put together models that show how it would be possible to do that. I mean, who knows? Maybe human beings were just, like, a lot physically stronger back then. Mm-hmm. Because we've definitely we've definitely been evolving since then. So maybe, like, our muscles were just different and we were actually able to pull that shit off. Who knows, man? Who knows? But something that kind of makes sense is... is uh in order to, or the quote, it's like, uh, those who control history control the present. And it's like, yeah, I, I don't know. I think there's some sort of something weird going on, you know? Yeah, man. No, that's, that's definitely, I remember, uh, I thought it was kind of funny. I, re- I remember like this, it was like this meme on the internet and it was out of some like textbook and it just had like, it was like a part about the Egyptians. Yeah. And it just had some like, some like white dude. With like a what's oh nice dude yeah split awesome. screen going on it, it just had like uh it just had like some white dude some like very European looking dude with like like a pharaoh thing on oh shit and that was how this textbook was depicting Egyptians no fucking way bro you know I thought it was funny it was kind of a funny meme yeah but yeah you know you're right like the <laughs> whoever like yeah whoever controls history controls the narrative so you know clearly. The Egyptians were very smart and were able to figure out things that we were not able to figure out. Clearly, there was also some sort of a spiritual thing going on where mm-hmm. these people, I don't know if it was because they didn't have all the distractions that we have now, but it would appear to me that that the spiritual component of life was far more of a priority than it is now. 
maybe I'm wrong. Yeah, I've been wrong about things before. This is just my opinions, my my uh, you know perspectives. Yeah. But but it would seem. I mean, you know, they definitely had something figured out, man. Yeah, and I, I you know I forgot where I uh, got this quote from. Where it's the farther away we get from God, it's like I, I don't know. I don't remember the quote. Anyways, but I kind of see that in the current moment. It's like we're not in tune with ourselves. It's like worldwide yeah i would agree man i would agree yeah. I, th I think that um you know the f it's well one one of the probably one of the first reasons why that's happening is because people aren't living naturally anymore so people are moving into more cities and and um consuming more processed foods and they're like straying away from a natural form of life mm -hmm. you know for me man um, I have my most, I guess, maybe spiritual moments you could say, or just like times where times where I feel very like close to my creator Yeah, is, is when I'm outside. Yeah. In, in nature. Definitely. Pretty much like that's, that's pretty much where I feel like the closest I can get to God is when I'm in nature. And then, and, and I think that people, um, I, don't, I think that people don't spend enough time in nature. People are not living in accordance we're, we're living like against nature actually it's kind of what's going on yeah we're um we're uh you know even like the architecture that's happening nowadays very like square very bland like it's not beautiful man like nature is beautiful like we talked about this uh yesterday where um in nature any, anywhere besides again i don't know if this is a fact or not but anywhere other than crystals there's no other 90 degree angles uh, that, that's formed in nature rather than in society like these buildings these walls that are like yeah 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 i don't know i don't know i'm not sure i'm not sure about that but i don't know what to do with the <clears throat> information right now i mean it, but it makes sense it does I mean, make we're, sense. we're definitely living against nature um we're like i mean dude you know people worry about like global warming people people worry that we're killing the earth dude i know one thing for sure and that's that dude we are not going to kill the earth that dude, the earth would kill us far before we could kill the earth. If we fuck up, it's not the earth that we're destroying. It's going to be humanity. The earth could eat, the earth can take whatever we throw at it. Man. The earth's yeah. been around for a very long time and it's pretty big and it's pretty strong. You know, if we go too far with, with, you know, our industrialism and we, you know, set off some giant earthquake or something, if we are going to die, the earth is going to keep going. That's my belief on that. So Mother Nature, we like to think that we're in control, right? We like to think that we're ahead of the game. We like yeah. to think that we are beating nature. And, you know, maybe Mother Nature is, like, kind of letting us have our way a little bit. Yeah. But every now and then, you know, she kind of throws up at us. Every now and then a tornado comes and fucks up. Every now and then there's a flood. And it, and it humbles us. So there's, there's this uh, fucking thing that I'm bouncing around in my head where when humans start manipulating nature like we are now, like manipulating the weather, you know, maybe it wants to strike back at us. Dude, yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. This is ideas that I'm bouncing around in my head. So, um, well, I agree. But I think there's a reason. I don't... I, th I don't think it's necessarily because 
don't know, maybe nature does have like a consciousness, but um, there's the concept. We were talking yesterday about hermeticism, right? Yeah. And there's like these seven hermetic principles, right? And these are pretty much just like seven laws, like natural laws, laws of laws of humanity and laws of nature. And one of them is the law of polarity. And it pretty much says that nature is constantly on a pendulum and it, it's swinging back and forth. And if we choose to push that pendulum too far one way, then it's going to swing back equally the other way. Yeah. So if we push things to there, like life and the world is always going to find an equilibrium. It's like our bodies are always trying to find homeostasis. There's always a center point that things are going to return to. Yeah. So if we want to like push things too far one way, at some point, the law of cause and effect, you know, what goes up must go down. At some point, it's going to have to swing back the other way. So I would agree with you. Yeah. I would agree that that nature fights back, not because not because it's angry or not because it's like upset, but because it's just the way that it works. And it's just the law of polarity. And that, that pendulum is constantly going to be swinging. You know, this is like, it's like also the whole idea with like ice ages and like heat waves and shit, you know? Yeah. Like throughout time, like there's been ice ages, there's been periods where the earth gets hot. Like things are always going back and forth, man. Yeah. And kind of going, going along with the seven hermetic principles in your book, the first one, the first chapter, right, is all is mental. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh, that, yeah, that's like an idea out of the Kabbalion, which oh, is Kabbalion, yeah. it's a pretty interesting book. That book's that book's got an interesting story. The Kabbalion, so it was written. It's authored by like the three initiates, right? It's like, but it's really just one dude who wrote that. I don't know if you know. It's just one dude who wrote that under a pseudonym. I forgot the guy's name. But yeah, the idea yeah. all is mental. That's at least that, that's that's that idea, um, and that really just brings us back to the whole, really what started this conversation where. We're talking about the idea of like the secret, right? Yeah. And how, how like our mind is constantly interacting with the world around us. So that idea, all is mental. Dude, it really, it really just says that you know your thoughts, like your thoughts in your inner space, is more powerful than you realize. Yeah. And what goes on inside of you? What kind of thoughts you entertain? What kind of environment you cultivate in your inner being is very, very, very important. Mm -hmm. Far more important than anything that somebody could do to you externally. Mm. Um, so, you know, that's why like nowadays, man, like building like a strong, like resilience, um, building willpower, building fortitude, just having like a very like solid inner space where even if people want to fuck with you, even if people want to like try to throw you off or do something to you, you just kind of keep yourself centered because you took time to like develop that internally. That's valuable, man. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of things nowadays that, that are, um, that want to throw that off and, you know, certain forms of technology, like certain forms of social media, fuck with our dopamine receptors yep. and throw us off internally. Certain chemicals and food and water. If Rich was in here, he'd, you know, he'd have something to say about that. Shout out, Rich. Shout out, Rich. Certain chemi- here soon. Yeah, certain chemicals in food and water um, can throw off our internal space. Um, 
Things like porn, dude, that, that one's fucking gnarly. Yeah. Poison. Yeah. Um, so, like, anything like that, that, that essentially grabs you at, like, your deepest nature, like, lust, that's, like, a very, like, primitive instinct, right? Mm-hmm. It's, like, food, you know, hunger, thirst, lust, like, anything, anything that, that grabs a hold of you at one of those, like, really deep, primal, primal things, yeah. um, they can control you pretty easily, man. It's good tequila, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Shout out to Moji, because it was a gift from Moji, so. I'm going to stand up and get some morbid here in a minute. Grab some. Um, yeah, man, no, anything that, like, anything that, so that, we need to, like, we really need to focus on protecting that space, that internal space. And at least for me, I've developed that through mindfulness, which is a very broad term, but more specifically through meditation. Like, dude, you'd be surprised, like, if you sit down and close your eyes for 30 minutes. Yeah. Just don't do anything. You'd be surprised at, like, what you discover. What you, what you discover about yourself, the types of thoughts that come into your head, the types of ideas that just appear out of nowhere. Yeah. Things coming together, you realizing certain circumstances. Dude, you would be really surprised, man. And I mean, I'm sure you have experience with this, but like some people, some people haven't um, haven't sat down and closed their eyes ever unless they're going to sleep. Yeah. When you do it consciously, or even, even like slow down or um, recognize that inner voice or that that yeah, yeah. that inner voice, man. Yeah, when you listen to it, it, it's very smart. It's very wise. Yeah. And it usually it usually knows what to do. Yeah, and man, and going along going along with the book. So, what what inspired you to, for that to be the first chapter? Well, yeah. So the first, I think that first chapter is, is titled "Our Minds." Well, I think I started with that because we've all got one. Yeah. Um, it's something that's been with us since we were born. It's going to be with you hopefully until you die, unless you get. You know, unfortunately, if you get, you know, Alzheimer's or something comes after that. So your mind is something that it's always with us. It's something that it's something that we're never really taught to be mindful of and to learn how to control in like public school. Like, you know, I, I never learned how to like meditate or how to reflect or like self-awareness. That's not something that was ever taught to me. So. Everybody has one. We have it until we die. It's something that nobody's really taught to be aware of or to study or discover for themselves. And I think that it definitely has the biggest return on investment when it comes to like putting the time in to actually develop it. Um, I think it's it's the, the best thing that you can do is to empower yourself, to empower your mind, uh, and through that to empower your soul. But your mind is is kind of like the uh, it's like the expression of the soul, but it's also like a vehicle, like a channel to the soul. Yeah. So I think that I think that like you know if you gotta if you gotta spend your time working on one thing, if you work on your brain, and you work on developing it, it's gonna take you far, man. Yeah. And I think we were taught uh, in that chapter, or it was another chapter, and I've read this before, where the subconscious and the conscious mind, you're 
operating on a small amount of your conscious mind, but it's more your subconscious, like your habits, your your thoughts that you that play in the background of your head. It's like working on those subconscious thoughts. Yeah, I think that's where it, it's good to to work on. Yeah, man. No, I mean it's it's um <clears throat> it's pretty interesting. Yeah, like we have like we have the things that we think about consciously and like, but since we were kids, since we were like, I'm not a psychologist, so yeah, I'm, I'm not either. You know, but I, I I definitely would recommend um, you know, Jordan Peterson's got a lot of good good uh material on this, but we have we essentially have this system that's running in the background of our lives, our whole lives, that is dictating most of what we do. A portion of that is just habits and instinct, you know, survival, sex, food. So a lot of it is that. Um, but also a lot of it is, is just stuff that we've picked up over the years from like certain trauma as a kid, you know, going certain places, you know, doing certain things. So we have, we have this, and it really is, is most likely what runs us. We like to think that we're like in control of what we do, but a lot of people will tell you that most of what we do is predetermined by our subconscious drives. Yeah. And fear, fear. Yeah. Fear of loss, fear of loss, fear of ill health, fear, fear of, of ill health, fear of FOMO, fear of missing out. <laughs> FOMO. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, all these things, all these things that, that are like playing in the background. Yeah. So the idea is how do you, how do you go in and drill into your subconscious and change that? How do you change your operating system so that you are now operating with a different, a different program in the background? Yeah. That's kind of the idea of, I don't have all the answers. So instead of using Windows, you, you'll upgrade to Mac. Yeah. Windows upgrade to Mac. How do we upgrade our Windows to Mac? Public school. Yeah, dude. Public school gave us Windows. Yeah. <laughs> How do we upgrade to Mac? That's a, that's a maybe a good way to put it. I don't know. I, I really, I had Windows for a long time. I just got my first MacBook recently. Yeah. I don't think I've really, like, dug in. But that's a good way to, like, a good way to visualize it. Yeah. So, you know. That's this is and this is what Napoleon Hill talks about and this is this is the whole idea of personal development. Yeah. You know? So for me, how was I able to change, you know, parts of my subconscious? And what happens is when when you change so like meditate I I know I keep going back to it, man, but meditation. Yeah. You know, actually actually taking time to sit with yourself. I really I really am a big <clears throat> big proponent of that, man. Taking yeah. time to sit with yourself, whether it's with your eyes closed, your eyes open, whatever, but sitting, even if you're just going on a walk, but to go inside your own head and to bathe in your thoughts, so much can come from that. Mm. And, you know, there's also like physical things to do to change your subconscious. Like, you know, if you notice, man, like, like when you wake up in the morning, like you probably do the same thing over and over again. Yeah. You know, yeah. most people have a, Sort of a routine, or, or yeah, yeah. Most people, uh, most people just do the same thing. You know, I even it's funny, man. I even notice that, like, when I get out of the shower, right, and I grab my towel, I literally do the same thing every single time. It's wild. 
with a towel. You probably yeah. do it too. No, yeah, I do, man. Like, like it's literally, it's up. like it's like one, two, three, and then it's like I literally counted like I literally do like the same motions. Yeah. It's like I'm playing back this uh, this like record. Yeah. There's nothing like original happening when I'm drying myself off. It's I'm just repeating something. So that's something that's coming from my subconscious. So yeah, one way that you can challenge your subconscious and shake it up a little bit is to attack the surface level things like that. Mm. So let's say it's, it's when I get out of the shower, I'm gonna con- I'm gonna actually like instead of starting from the top, I'm gonna dry myself off from the bottom up. Yeah, yeah. which so is like up. You totally sp- different. Yeah, but I'm gonna up. force myself to do that. And when I do that, my subconscious is gonna say, "Wait a second, no, this isn't this isn't what we've been doing. Mm-hmm. This is something new. What's going on?" And you're gonna kind of like you're gonna kind of shake it up a little bit. Yeah. And when you do that, you're going to, you know, the idea is that you're going to send like a shockwave through all of it and you're going to open up your channels of perception. You're going to open up your ability to change some of those other habits. And a little, little stuff like, like a, that. And then, then it goes back to the idea of free will. It's like we, when we operate off of that free will of making our, making our own decisions, then we, then we are able to control where our path in life leads to. Yeah, and, and, you know, if there's one thing, dude, the biggest one, man, this whole, like, self-mastery game, which I think is, is what this is all about, dude, learning to subdue your passions, you know, learning to control your animalistic instincts, mm-hmm. and really focusing, you know, sex, you know, celibacy, man, I've done stints of celibacy, it's powerful. Mm-hmm. Sex, food, emotions. If you can, if you can stop, if you can stop yourself from um, being controlled by your sexual desires, if you can, if you can get a grasp on those, if you can stop yourself from eating bad food because your body craves it, if you can get over that hump and get away from that, I can't remember the last time I went through a drive-through, mm. and. Um, that's not like a, I don't want to say that like a self grandizing way because dude, I love Taco Bell. I'm not a fan. Dude, I loved Taco Bell growing up. Um, it was just something that I ate all the time. But when I started to really focus more on the concept of developing myself, when I started to meditate more, when I started to become more mindful my desire for Taco Bell left. I no longer desired it. And that's kind of another example of, um, of something in my subconscious that changed. Mm, I just didn't, it wasn't like, it, it's not like I had to, it's not like I had to discipline myself from eating it. Yeah. It was like my actual, my actual desires, subconscious desires changed. And it's because I set my, it's because I set my sights on something else, you know? Yeah. So I didn't have to like, I didn't have to fight the urge to eat Taco Bell anymore. Yeah. I just stopped craving. I stopped wanting it because I I was on a different mission at that point. Mm. So discipline is hard, dude. Willpower, we we only have so much willpower. This is why this is why these like super productive CEOs wear the same thing every day. Do you know this? So they wear like the same like a lot. Some of these guys who wear the same shirt every day. The reason why a lot of these guys do it is because they believe. That we have, when we wake up, we have a certain amount of willpower. And every time you make a decision, 
burning more energy. You burn you burn some of that willpower, and by the end of the day, you can't make good decisions. Yeah. So to wake up and have to decide what to wear, you're actually wasting willpower. Mm. So some of these guys don't even want to waste willpower on deciding what to wear. Instead, they're going to wear the same thing every single day, and they're going to use that willpower to, to come up with something else. So like discipline and willpower is very hard. Mm-hmm. What is easier is to is to change your direction, to change your priorities. Because our subconscious mind builds itself around what we focus on. Yeah. And when you when you focus on if you have like a plan, you have something you want to create, you have a book that you want to write, you have a, a business, you know, a, a milestone that you want to get with your business. Yeah. When you focus on that, and when you lock in your brain on that, your mind is going to change to see that that thing becomes real. Mm-hmm. And this is the idea of like idleness is the devil's playground. Mm-hmm. When you don't, yeah. when you don't have something that you're aiming for, when you don't have a purpose, when you don't have a, when you're not on a mission, you're just going to fuck around, and you're going to get distracted. You're going to fall to your passions. You're going to want. Yo, it's rich. Yeah, come on in. Yo, yo, yo. It's a good time to get more tequila. <laughs> yo, yes, sir. Thank you. Coffee for the man. Yeah. This is, I believe, yeah, this is your one here. Say what's up to the pod. What's up, guys? Uh, which camera is it? It's a good time to get here. Hello, how are we Rich. doing? Got some more tequila. You know what? You want some more? If you, Rich, you want to talk to him for a little bit? I'm going to use the restroom. Sure. Yeah? I would love to. <laughs> How's it going? Oh, what up, bro? So we're just talking, we were talking about the importance of having goals in life, really. Definitely. It's kind of what we were talking about. We were talking about um, how when you don't have something that you're aiming for, uh, you just kind of distract yourself with pleasure and bullshit. Yeah. Indulgence. Indulgence. And how, at the end of the day, man, like one of the best things that the best things that we can do, in my opinion, as people, is to have a goal, is to set some sort of mission or objective. Because then, you know, not only are you, not only are you actually working towards something, but in the process of doing that, you're going to change your mind's um, operating system, and your entire personality and your entire being is going to change uh, to see that that thing becomes real. And if it's a worthwhile goal, you'll change for the better. Now, maybe you have a goal that's, uh, you know, not not so uh, good, right? Maybe right, that's want, a great point. Maybe you want to, like, hurt a lot of people or you want to do something. There's been people throughout history who do that and still pull out crazy shit. But if you set your sights on something and you decide that it's something that's worth living for, then, uh, you know... That, there's going to be a big okay. process of transformation that's going to take place while you chase that. So I think that, like, you know, a lot of the times, the best way we can transform ourselves, the best way that we can shape who we are, is by setting these strategic, intentional goals and then understanding that through that process, um, there's going to be shifts that take place. I'm going to drink some coffee, too. Yeah, man. Oh, yeah. You got I, I totally agree, though. Uh, the times when I've been growing the most and moving towards just being a better person and really just enjoying life more is when I was moving towards the goals. 
Yeah. You want some more? I ordered this every single time. Yeah, I'll I'll I think I don't think I even finished this. Oh, you can't finish it? We're recording? Uh, yeah, we're live. <laughs> oh, you know what? Do you need to use the restroom before we go? I'm good. Good? Alright. You need to go? Thank you. No, I'm good. I just went. Just want to make sure so that there's no other uh, breaks or anything in between. I like the way you set up the camera. You can't even tell. Alright. That's smooth. Crazy. I should maybe sit like this if we're going to have the camera like that. Yeah. Because then I'm I'm facing you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Cool. I guess we've been recording like this the whole time, so I might as well not change it now. It's all good. All right. Oh yeah. Kind of leave it cracked open. All right, we're back. All right, we're back. We got remember, some coffee. You remember what we were talking about? Dude, we were just. I think I was just rambling on. Uh, <laughs> how, how do you how do you like the headphones in the ear like the voice in the ears. I don't know. <laughs> you don't know? I don't know, man. I think, I think, uh, hello. You know, it feels more intimate. I, I feel like it feels more intimate and you could really understand what they're, what they're trying to say. Okay. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't, I guess I haven't decided yet. Okay. This is my first time talking to somebody through headphones. Oh, okay. So that's probably why, it's probably why it just, it's a little strange. For me. Yeah. But um, very good way to have a conversation. And we were talking about how people uh, people are going through their life, uh, not really slowing down. And these podcast conversations are really good because how often do people sit down and just talk, like, yeah, and have hour long conversations? Yeah, no, it's it's a, it's cool. Yeah, yeah. I like. Really um, cool. I'm a big fan of like architecture, right? Yeah. And if you look at like houses from like the 70s they, they all have these like conversation pits have you seen a conversation pit i have not dude when you get a chance you should look up what a conversation pit looks like i have to look it up right now <laughs> look, look up a conversation pit all right conversation pit yeah. this is a conversation starter talking about conversation pits yeah man it's just like instead of like your whole living room being centered around a tv you have this this space in your house that is just Bro. a bunch of seats face, facing each other where people can sit and talk. Yo, fucking... Are you looking at in it? In the future, in my house, will definitely be a conversation pit. I want to... Which one are you looking at? Let me see. Uh, this one actually looks pretty dope. It's a uh, green... Yeah, dude, look at that. Yeah. Isn't that fucking awesome? Let's uh, show them. Can they see it? Oh, shit. It needs to focus. Yeah, dude. There you go. Look at that. Conversation pit. It's pretty dope, man. So you were, uh, you've had conversations in conversation pits before? No. <laughs> no. I've never seen one in real life. I don't think. Damn, man! Like now, I I want a conversation pit in my in my house, and I kind of want a skate uh skate park in my backyard as well. Damn, that'd be fucking tight. They'd be pretty cool. I don't skate. No. No, I never was able to get it down. Hmm. Like, I, I've skated, like, a little bit, um, but it's just, you know, when you start 
jumping stairs and like all in kick flipping stairs. That's a, that's another level right there. Yeah, man. I just remember when I was a kid. I was up on this half pipe, or maybe it was. I don't think it was a half pipe. It was. It was just like a drop in, and I was up, and I just. I don't know, dude. It was just. I felt I was too high up. I was just scared, man. I was just. I, you know, I was when I was a kid, man. I was more of like a nervous boy. You know, I wasn't. Mm. I wasn't as brave. So, I was up there, and I just. I just. It was just too fucking high up. I had a fear of heights. I couldn't drop in. Yeah. Couldn't do it. And. Mm. Uh, I don't know, man. I just never was able to skate. And and, and one thing that um, if you catch it, it's like you have to commit 100% in order to to actually land the trick. Like you have to commit without fear. And I think that's a huge le- a life lesson as well. It's like, yep. um, and if you catch it, it's like you can carry on to other aspects of your life too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man, but, just, I mean, it was, it was, yeah. For me, man, it just it like was I was just, scared shitless as well too. Yeah, it's just time. It was just a time where I just wasn't able to overcome my fear. Yeah. You know. But just what? That's just uh, one aspect of the sport. I mean, cross country taught me a lot too. It's uh, overcoming your mind. Yeah. Um, when your body's screaming, I want to stop. It's like it's a mental override to just keep going. Yeah, I played football. Yeah. I played football, and I was pretty slow. I think I may have actually been slower than all of our linemen. Were you QB, you said, I think? Yeah, and played a little, played a little bit of tight end. Okay. Um, but, dude, yeah, like when we did conditioning, when we'd run. Yeah. Dude, holy shit, man. You talk, yeah, you really have to get over it. You were like bear crawls. Oh, like 100-yard bear crawls. You're just on your hands and your feet. It's like PTSD right there. Dude, that's pretty hardcore, man. That's pretty serious. Yeah. But I think that it's important. Like, I think that everybody has, at some point should do some sort of physical training. Some, yeah. Some sort of hard physical training. Um, and, uh, you know, it's mind, body, spirit, dude. Yeah. It just comes down to, like, focusing on all three of those. Yep. Not, like, over-focusing on one of them and neglecting the other one. Mm-hmm. So every, every person... Every human being should have some sort of a physical exercise regimen in their life. For sure. It doesn't matter what it is. It doesn't matter if you're good at it. It doesn't matter if you can you know, squat 400 pounds or you can squat 40 pounds. But if you're working out and, and lifting weights is probably like or running. Those are like two easy ones to get access to. Like there's gyms everywhere. Like you can lift weights in any city. You can find a place to lift weights. It's also just good for, like, your testosterone levels. But every single person should have some sort of physical uh, exercise regimen. And there's no excuse not to. There really is no excuse not to. And at the end of the day, man, when we're super old and when your body's falling apart or your body is just you're fucked up because you didn't move it around enough, you're going to wish that you were working out. Yeah, or let's paint a scenario where... There's a giant ass EMP and takes out all of our electronics. Damn, we just fucking went for it, didn't we? Yeah. Damn, we're going deep. We're going deep. <laughs> and there was a fucking shit hit the fan type shit. All right, I'm there. And um, you know, it's it's more. We would have to rely a lot on our mental and our physical um stature, or is that how you say like appear like. 
posture, posture, stature, yeah, yeah. stature. Um, we'd have to fucking run away from people that are trying to kill us. We'd have to have social awareness. You know, we'd have to get either get on groups to, you know, to survive. You would need, to, yeah. I mean, you would need to. You would. It, it would definitely be be very primitive. Yeah. It definitely be a very. Where do you think you would? Where Where would you go, bro? Like, so let's say we're sitting. Let's say we're. Okay, look. Let's say it happens right now. Like we're sitting here making this podcast, uh-huh. and all of a sudden we get this notification. It's like, yo. What, what would the, maybe like? Let's say that Russia. Like Red Dawn scenario, right? Yeah. Let's say Russia. Is invading the continental United States. Wow. Because we're in California right now, so let's say that like right on the coast. Let's say that maybe Russia's on the east coast, and maybe China is coming in on the west Holy coast. Holy fuck! And we get this notification. It's like, yo, like we are under attack. What's your plan? What are you doing right now? What am I doing? Okay, so I would hit up a bunch of uh, homies and definitely assemble a group. Okay. And um, you know. Gather. You're gonna call them, text them. Like, what are you gonna do? Oh, that is a good question. How are you gonna get in touch with? Well, them? since it's since it's happening right now, like this is our group right now. Yeah. So. So you know, this is our group. You know, we have Rich, the water, the water guy. Yeah, it's pretty much us, man. I don't think we'd be able. We wouldn't have time to get the homies on. No, and then we have like so we have an AR in there. We have a 12 gauge shotgun. And we have a nine millimeter in there. And we have a crossbow right there. So those those are our defense systems. So we have four. We got four things. Okay. So which so which one does Natalie get? Natalie, um, I would say, I would say shotgun, you know, kind of like, yeah, I would give her the shotgun because there's a very, uh, good explanation why you don't need, really need to aim that much for a shotgun. It just, are you saying she can't aim, bro? What do you, (laughs) I mean, I mean, just, what are you trying to say about her aim, bro? I mean, it's, it's easy. That's all I'm saying. It's easy. (laughs) You know, with the AR, you got, you got the scope and the nine millimeter. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Wait, the nine millimeter is a handgun or handgun? Yeah. Okay. Give her the. I don't know if she. Right. That's a that's a that's a very strong gun for a, a small woman. Oh, you're right. I'd say give Natalie the handgun. <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, either way, either way. You know, all I know is you know y'all's all I know is y'all's California Air 15s are just wonky as fuck, man. I agree. I, I remember my first time seeing a California Air 15. My buddy, I was I was with my buddy uh, Josh, and uh, he said, "Hey, you want to? You know, I've got some guns. You want to see?" I said, "Yeah." And he pulls out this Air 15, and it has like a short, like a tiny magazine. It's like very small, yeah. and it's got this like this grip on it that is. It's just, I mean, you know what I'm talking a about. Fin grip. It's a, a fin grip. What's it called? Uh, fin grip. A fin grip. Yeah. And I was like, what in the fuck is this, man? Like, it didn't, it didn't make any sense to me. And then he's like, oh, yeah, in California, like, all of our guns have to be, like, all of our rifles have to be like this. Kalishnikovs, too? You guys, like, Kalishnikovs have to have a finger grip like that? An AK? AK? Um, all rifles? I think, yeah, all rifles. There's no pistol grips it, whatsoever. It's essentially what makes an assault, like, uh, an AR um, is, are the bad people parts where, like, you can't have a fucking vertical foregrip. You can't have a flash hider. You can't have... Um, more than 10 rounds in your magazine. 10 rounds. Yeah. That's what it is. 10 it's rounds. 10 rounds. That's the limit. And, yeah. and uh, apparently those are the bad parts that make up the AR, which these bad people use to kill people with. Yeah. 
Dude, I don't know, man. I mean, that's uh. But and then it goes down to like constitutionally, like if it if it was fought in the courts, would that really stand up compared to the Second Amendment, which is the right to to bear arms? And would that stand up in the federal court? I don't I don't know. Well, I don't I don't know either, man. I'm not very well versed in. I'm not either. In politics, I mean, I, I think that um. I think that once you start letting like opinions dictate politics. It's really tough one, man. Gun control, like, I mean, at this point, at this point, I think it's good that we have guns, that the people have guns. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's good that, because, you know, like, historically, what we see is, like, before, before, um, like, real dictatorships can get uh, control over their population, um, they take the guns away. Here's the current example, uh, Australia. Oh, dude, yeah. Yeah. What they're going through. They don't have any guns in Australia? No, they had a, a, a buyback program where you'd turn in your gun and they'll buy it back from you. you yeah. know, the government would. And, uh, I mean, just look what they're going through now. Uh, being forced into COVID camps. If you don't go inside this COVID camp, you'll be taken in, in a COVID taxi or you'll get fined $5,000. A COVID taxi where they literally come and kidnap you? Yeah, pretty much. Or you'll get fined. If you don't want to go, you'll get fined $5,000. Yeah. I mean, holy shit! That's you know, actually happening right now. Australia, what the fuck? Australia used to be like cool, man. Australia used to be like a pretty free place, free, pretty chill place. It started as a prison colony. Yeah, we're, you want to talk about that? What? It's, yeah. my, it's my understanding that Australia started as an English prison colony. They would put criminals there. Mm. It's just a place to keep them, I guess, or something. I don't. Know. And now it's it's now uh, back to being a prison colony. I don't know, man. I don't know, dude. I don't. I don't know what. Uh, I don't know what the future holds. Um, it definitely is. Uh, it definitely is probably not in the best interest of all of the people. And this is just another example of why I strongly believe that the sooner you cultivate that inner space, the sooner you cultivate some sort of um, an inner an inner uh, peace that is not subject to the things going on around you, the better it's going to be to endure some of this stuff. Mm. I mean, if you're constantly getting emotionally set off by things going on around you, then the next like five, 10 years, you're going to be a mess. But if you can develop some sort of a stoic personality, if you can develop yourself into a person who isn't bothered by much and, and if you dive deep and you come to some sort of a relationship with God, whatever that may be, doesn't have to necessarily be like a Christian God, but some sort of relationship with divinity that transcends the material world. Yeah. This place is chaos, dude. This place is chaos. So you have to develop a relationship with something that transcends it. And if you can do that, then you have the potential to avoid a lot of the pain and suffering that this place has to offer. I, I like this uh, Bible verse. I'm going to, terribly uh fucking quote this but it's in this world not of it be not conformed to this world and and yeah be in the world not of it yeah yeah and dude i think that's like one great lesson to, to take to learn from that yeah. it's like i don't know create, create your own create your own world the temple not built with hands eternal in thy heaven so mm. yeah man just that that inner space man yeah that's what the whole book's about really it's like the yeah world. dude the whole book is just about um, the different components to building that inner space. 
Mm. And really, like, more so, like, this this book is talking about certain virtues and morals that oh, that really relate to either how we interact with ourselves or how we interact with other people. Um, but then, you know, when you get into, like, some more of these, like, spiritual traditions, it's um, it's about actually diving in and studying, like, the spiritual world and understanding the things that we cannot see. Because what that was we, another chapter, right? What we can see, yeah, the faith in the unseen. I think it was the last, or gratitude mm-hmm. may have been the last chapter. Um, but going back to uh, Kabbalah, mystical Judaism, you know, one of the lessons that uh, students of Kabbalah are taught is that what we can see and experience with our five senses is just 1% of what's real. Mm. And 99% of creation, 99% of what is real, exists outside of our five senses. We're not able to perceive it. So that's pretty crazy. That is that is pretty crazy. It's pretty humbling. It is. It's uh it makes you feel it makes you feel very small um which it should. It oh, should hum- definitely it should humble you, but it, sh- it yeah. should also really more so it should like inspire you. It should be totally awe-inspiring. And it should give you faith that there is something bigger going on. And just because you don't understand it, just because I don't understand it, just because we don't understand it, doesn't mean that it's not working. And regardless, you know, how chaotic things may seem down here, how uh, how bad things may look, there's actually a cool like little story that kind of summarizes this point. It's like so there's this old there's this uh there's this old man, right? Mm-hmm. And one day his son his son is out in the wild and ends up capturing these wild horses. And he brings them back to the farm. And he says, "Look, Pa, like you know, I, I got us some horses. Isn't this great?" And he says, well, we'll see. He says, what do you mean? No, this is fantastic. He's like, well, we'll see. And um, so he has these horses. And then one day, one of the horses escapes. Right. And the boy says, oh, my God, this is terrible. And the man says, well, we'll see. We'll see. And the boy goes and the boy gets the horse and he's able to find it. He's like, Oh, this is great. And the man's like, we'll see. The boy's riding the horse. The boy falls off. The horse breaks his leg. And he says, Oh my God, this is so terrible. And what does the old man say? He says, we'll see. Totally neutral. And, um, he's like, what do you mean? Like, you know, I just broke my leg. Like, this is awful. Like, how can you say that this is, how, how can you not understand that this is a bad thing? The next day, the army comes and drafts everybody in the town who's physically able to fight in a war. And because the boy has a broken leg, he isn't drafted. Mm-hmm. So, I guess the point of that story is that really, regardless how good or how bad something seems, you really never have any idea. Because we can't predict the future. And we can't predict what bigger picture is taking place. Yeah. And, you know, when you just kind of find that neutral zone, when you develop that inner space and kind of ground yourself in that, 
you know, you can just kind of do your thing, man, and, and you don't really go through many ups and downs, I guess. Uh, yeah, man. And adding on to that, it's like you, if you get stuck in the past, like you can definitely get stuck there in the future as well. But if you're in the present moment, I think you you can make decisions in order to affect your future in a positive way if you have that mindset. Yeah, I'd agree. Yeah. Self-sacrifice, sacrificing things in the moment for things in the future. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's a pretty, that kind of goes back to, uh, we were talking about earlier with like you know just chasing pleasure yeah you know like usually that's like that's choosing things in the moment over things in the future Mm. but it it feels good it feels good but sometimes it feels really good (laughs) and it feels good but you know that's the thing man when you sacrifice those things now um depending on if you if you're aiming at something if you have some sort of a purpose in your life yeah then it's it's worth making those sacrifices now. Now, if you if, sure. you if you don't have like a purpose, if you're not aiming for anything in your life, then you really have no reason to to you know delay gratification because you don't have anything to look forward to. But when you have something that you're aiming for, when you have some sort of a goal, now you have a reason to sacrifice things now for things later. Yeah, it's like just seeing seeing the bigger picture, pretty much. You see the bigger picture. Not only that, but you, you actually are in control. You have, yeah. you have, you not only do you see the bigger picture, but you are, you are dictating that picture. Yeah. And you are writing your own story. Yeah. And kind of to put in a, another analogy where, um, like a basketball team where there's 82 games in a season, something like that. And when you sell you can celebrate one win, but you know, there's, 81 games left in the season and to get to that championship and if you focus on just one win you're not gonna see you know what you have to progress on you know you're not gonna see the failures that you need to the shit that you do need to work on yeah dude that reminds me of like the kobe bryant video i saw i don't remember exactly what it it was like in the playoffs i think it was yeah somebody's celebrating right i think they were no i think they were up i think they were up like um, like three two or something in a seven games. I think it's a seven game series in the NBA. Yeah, yeah. I think they were up like three two, right? And um, and it was some sort of like a press conference scenario. And the guy, the guy was talking to Kobe. He's like, "Why aren't you celebrating? Like this is, you know, you guys just won. Why aren't you celebrating? He, he, job's not done. Yeah, job's not done. Why would I celebrate? Job's not done. Mamba mentality. Do you think about death often? Um. Well, ever, I know you that you ever contemplate. Yeah, I have uh, this tattoo, Memento Mori. Remember that Remember that you're going to die. Yeah, it's a pretty good one. Yeah, so I do think about... Uh, I mean, it's not on like the forefront of my mind, but I, I have to remind myself, like, this is just a temporary experience. That, uh, yeah. And I, I think it helps me, man, like, want to be a good person, want to be the best that I could be. Are you okay dying? I'm okay dying. It's good. But I can, you know, if I was someone else not living their true purpose, not um, aligned with their truth, I would be scared of dying, honestly, because I didn't live up to my potential. I didn't live up to what I wanted to do. But I feel, you know, but I mean, I, I do see a future, obviously, longevity till I'm 70. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did you come up with that? No, nah, that was Jay-Z. Oh, really? <laughs> Longevity till I'm 70. Um, but yeah, dude, no, it's, I mean, and this is like, it's like an old, you know. It's a Masonic thing. Yeah, it is. It's an old stoic, uh, it's an old stoic. A chamber of reflection. Medi- meditative, a chamber of reflection. It's an old stoic principle too, to, to reflect on one's death and to be okay with that. Like I've, I, for example, have like met, so here's an interesting meditation. You know, just close your eyes and, mm. and attend your own funeral. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. And really get vivid with the details, man. Go in and see yourself in a casket. And, and go into that experience. And um, what do you, like, what do you, what do you want people to say about you? What do you think that would look like? Um, because I think that when we do that, when we death, like especially in Western culture, man, like yes. in the U.S., like somebody dies, we bury them, and we forget about it. Yeah. Or you know, like in Mexico, you know, the, the Day of the Dead, where, um, you know, you're more conscious of those who passed away, and you, you, there's just more, there's more, there's more uh, mindfulness around death. But here, it's just like you know, somebody dies, and we just like get it over with, mm-hmm. and we move on. So it's really something that's not really in most people's minds and they don't really think about it. And then when it's time to die, they, uh, they just are, or at some point, you know, you experience like a midlife crisis where you realize, dude, I remember when I was, I think the first time I ever like really tripped myself out on like an idea was when I was, I was like 17. And I, I was just trying to, I was thinking, I was like, what's going to happen when I die? It's like, what's going to happen when I die? What's going to happen when I die? And I didn't have much of like a religious faith at the time. So all I could, all I could imagine was that when I die, it's all going to go black and I'm not going to exist anymore. And the, the idea of that was so fucking weird. And I just remember like tripping out on that for a couple days just yeah. being so scared of like everything just coming to a stop and me, like me not even be able, like I would never even know that I'm dead. It was just like all of this that I'm experiencing would just stop. Mm-hmm. And well, now I don't believe that. Um, now I have a different opinion of that. But at the time I remember that really scaring the shit out of me. Mm-hmm. And luckily for me, I was able to go through that when I was young Strange noise. What is that? It's not um, the owner. He's opening up the. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, Beans. At the, <laughs> that sounds. Like it. <laughs> at the time, like fortunately for me, I wasn't like sixty when I went through that. You know, I was. Oh, but, dude. But oh, some shit. people, like some people, don't Imagine ever. That. Some people don't ever face death, or the idea of death. If you're raised in a culture that doesn't really talk about it, some people don't face that or contemplate that until. It's almost their time. Imagine how scary that would be, man. Yeah, dude. Um, I work at a hospital, and um, I pass by these patient rooms sometimes, and, you know, they're a little old. They're old. And um, I, I think about that. It's like, did they really live the life that they wanted to live? Did they did they do the things that they wanted to do? It's like, oh. and if they didn't, man, I, 
I definitely 100% would try my best not to get to that point. Yeah, so there was, some, there was a study done on this. I can't recall all the information, but pretty much they, they were interviewing people who were on their deathbed. And mo most people don't regret the things that they do. Most of these people regretted more of the things that they didn't do. Mm, that yeah. was like a repeated pattern. Was there, were, there weren't so many regrets about things done, but it was more so regretting not doing certain things that really uh, really got to most of the people they were interviewing. Mm. So that's just an example to just stop giving so many fucks. Yeah. You know, just do what you want to do. Be the person you want to be. Don't Definitely. Regret, don't regret the judgment of other people, man. That's one of the that's one of the bigger uh, that's one of the bigger uh, things that hold people back, man. It's like, what are other people gonna think of me? Dude, I already know that I'm ridiculous, so you know nobody can really prove that to me. Yeah, I already know that I'm. Same. I already know that I'm a fool most of the time, so. I'm, was, I'm the, uh, definitely uh, a fool. There's not really there's not really much that somebody could say about me that I probably haven't already said about myself. So, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, dude. <laughs> All right, so, <laughs> I want to kind of like get more into the books. I don't sure. think we even talked about it, bro. Like we talked about the first chapter. Okay, so what was the um, process like? Did you did you have this idea like, yo, I want to write a book early on, or did you? Dude, the process is quite strange. So I wrote that whole book in like two and a half, three weeks. That's lit. And I pretty much just like I had the idea. I knew I wanted to talk about something. I knew that I wanted to produce something that could outlive me. I wanted to create something that could continue to make an impact if I died. And a book seemed to be a good medium to do that. So I was like, okay, I'll write a book. And then I was like, okay, what, what am I going to write about? What, what do you, I, I think society needs right now? Or what kind of need could I fill? And I look around and I think that our society is lacking uh, morality, mm. lacking a moral education. I put a quote in the front of that book from Teddy Roosevelt. Do you remember what it says? You're fucking, you're testing my memory right now. I, I don't. Dude, it's a good one. It says to educate a man in the mind and not in morals is to, is to educate or create a menace to society. Shit. So everybody's focused on like intellectual prowess, right? But there's not much taught about, like, ethics. Yeah. How should we treat people? How should we treat ourselves? What's the importance of how we treat people? It really depends where you live. I live in Nashville, so southern hospitality is pretty cool, man. Like, everybody's pretty nice to each other. Yeah. But there's some cities, man, that are very narcissistic. Um, so I was like, okay, I personally believe that society uh, needs needs more morality. Mm. I think that people need to think more about how their actions impact others. And I was like, okay, cool. So what kind of morals are important to me? And I wrote a list down. I don't really remember the whole list right now, but you know, honesty, seal, integrity, you know, all these concepts, uh, gratitude really being the biggest one. Gratitude is the most important one. Um, it's also the easiest one. Being grateful is so easy. Yeah. You don't even have to do anything. Yeah. It doesn't take any work to be grateful. Definitely. So, I was like, oh, we got some drums in the background. Cool. 
we do a soundtrack. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you'll you'll start hearing techno music soon. Really? Oh, is this place gonna open up tonight? Yeah. And yeah, start, yeah. We're gonna hear him play soccer too. Yeah, yeah. Dude, that's awesome, bro. So um, so I was like, okay. Um, I just made this list and I was like, okay, what are my thoughts on these? And I just drank a lot of coffee. I got yurked up on caffeine. I, th- I think the caffeine really helped me like move my ideas around. Mm. So, um, and I just started typing, bro. I just started like throwing up ideas into the computer and I would just type for hours and hours each day. Um, maybe not, I mean, maybe like, I don't know, three, four hours a day going back, editing here and there, maybe skip a day here and there. But after about three weeks of just kind of doing that, I had, had like 140 pages. Um, it was the longest thing I'd ever written. Before that, maybe I wrote like a five-page paper in like freshman English. Mm. So this is my first time ever like putting together something that had any sort of like length to it. Um, and I was like, okay, so now I have 140 pages. I'm going to go through and then I spend about the next like month or two actually cutting, taking things away and, and editing things out. Um, and, and then you have like the 112 pages that you have there. Mm-hmm. So it was a cool process, man. It really was not uh, terribly hard. Anybody can write a book if they have something that they're passionate about and they're willing to spend a little bit of time and sacrifice some of their time to put it together. And, but yeah, I know for me, man, it was just, it was, uh, it was, it was, I wanted to provide something to, to the world that extended beyond just myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I wrote that, man. And I know that books, like, I know that there's, like, maybe other channels that are better nowadays. That's why I started, like, making more YouTube videos and stuff. You know, I was thinking it would be fucking tight if you uh, recorded it, like, you read it yourself. An audiobook? An audiobook. That would be hot. I, w- I, wanted to get, I wanted to get some, mm-hmm. like, some chick with, like, a really sexy voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. She's like, hello. I wouldn't Welcome. listen to it. You wouldn't listen to it, bro. I would listen to, it, to your voice. What? I would listen to your voice. What? I don't want to be. I don't want to be seduced. You don't want some <laughs> some hot chick to to seduce you into being a moral, virtuous person. No, I would want. I would want the author to seduce me. Dude, I would be down to do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, edit that shit out too. <laughs> Dad is over here, like, oh my god. <laughs> Dude, I would be I would be down to uh, I'm not down to seduce you, but I am oh, down nice. I am down to record my book. That would be sick, dude. I, that would be really cool. I, I I would be down to do that. That would be cool, man. Yeah, audiobooks yeah. are pretty popular now. I started writing the next one. It's just the opposite of that one. Mm. So that one's talking about like good things, and this one this next one's just talking about bad things, vices, greed, lust, envy, jealousy. Mm. hate, fear, you know, pretty much like the shadow of what that one is. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, man, all that stuff. Yeah. Dude, tequila and coffee is an interesting combination. Tequila, coffee, and I don't know if you took any, but I took mushrooms. You took some mushrooms? Yeah, and it's, and I was thinking about this earlier, it's like, that's an interesting mix, like, am I feeling the coffee, am I feeling the tequila, or am I feeling the mushrooms? I don't know, man. All I know is you got this big ass bottle of lotion on your desk, and I don't know what the fuck it's for. Hey, you know what, dude? You gotta stay, you gotta stay hydrated, bro. What? Hydrated <laughs> and moisturized. Dude, if Rich was in here, he would to- he would be clapping for you, man. 
Yeah. What's your favorite item on this desk? Uh, that, dude, that's a fucking great question. Um, it would have to be that that centerpiece in there, the VR One HD, because oh, you know, really? it's, it's what well, no. Aside, aside from okay, so aside from like technology, like oh, besides, what's your uh, favorite like your favorite like uh, item like fun thing? Oh, fun thing. Yeah, just like anything that's not uh, like we're not using right now. That fucking fat Majin Buu right there. Majin Buu. Yeah, I just remember as a kid, just growing up watching Dragon Ball. Yeah. And. That specifically one of my favorite uh, episodes because he would turn people to chocolate and he would eat people. He's pretty powerful, isn't he? He is pretty powerful. He's, he was one of the most powerful, if not, I think he was the most powerful at the time. Fucking villain, dude. Really? Yeah. Goku beat him? Yeah, uh, fucking Go, uh, Goku and Vegeta actually had to fucking team together up, team really? up together and beat him, yeah. Damn, dude. He is fat. Yeah. Turns people into chocolate. I like chocolate. I like dark chocolate. Dark chocolate is really good. Healthy fats. Dude, last night we were uh, walking around Santa Barbara. The fucking that Turkish place, dude, bro. We, we go into this Turkish delight place. Oh, my God. Holy dude, shit. I had to go in because when I walked past, there were so many colors. Like, it looked like Willy Wonka's factory. Like, it was so inviting and so cool. I had to go inside and give them my money. Yeah. And we ended up eating some baklava and some Turkish dinner. It was delicious, man. Uh, and I remember it being really bright too. It was a bunch of lights, like it was super bright, really bright, super bright. Yeah. The people there were very uh, kind. Yes. Dude. Kindness, Fr- friendliness goes a long way, man. Yeah. You know, that's why, like, I don't like cities where people are mean to each other. There's really no reason for it. Does it? Doesn't take much. It doesn't take much. Uh, much energy to be a good person, to be nice to people. You know, I mean, it's okay to like set boundaries it's okay to not let people take your time but there's really never any reason to like be a dick to somebody unless they're really like fucking with you then it's okay it's okay but yeah there's really no reason to like you know just be like abrasive Mm, i have no reason i haven't found a reason for it in my life no definitely not and well talk uh, just adding on to like the kindness of the people at that Turkish place. Yeah. Who who said uh, you will remember what people said, but they'll you'll remember how you make them feel. Yeah, man. It's like well, that's yo, a pretty that's, good point. Yeah. Like that's I remember, like how they made us feel. Yeah, I felt good. And then the baklava made me feel even better. Dude, uh, I don't know what it was, but it was this flaky like cake that the pistachio one. That was, it, it's a baklava. That was baklava. It's like a pastry. Yeah. Fuck, dude. It's pretty good. I got it. Definitely had like a sugar high going after that. Yeah, it was really sweet. It was buzzing, dude. And that farmers farmers market and then the the burritos, the taqueria that we had. That place was good, dude. They had good tacos. Yeah. We put them on corn and that flour bullshit. Oh, oh yeah, I actually like flour, dude. Flour is really good. I like corn tortillas. Yeah. You like corn? Well, like actually in burritos for sure. Yeah, burritos. Corn or flour? Yeah. All tortillas. All tortillas. <laughs> it depends on the day. Cool. True tortilla eater, <laughs> a true fan. See that def- that guy is taking the more spiritual approach to tortillas. We're over here coming up with biases. Well. It is, yeah. Yeah, he's he's more accepting. Yeah, I definitely. Think. We could learn a lesson from this guy. Yeah, we can. <laughs> Shout out to Blue. Shout out Blue. <laughs> Shit, man. Well, dude. Um. So getting to more more into the book. So, 
when you were writing it, did you have an idea of like the different chapters that you wanted to make, or was that after you had um, the, the? I made a list of the different morals, and then I just went one by one and just wrote about each. So I came up with the list first, and then maybe at the end, like I added some, but I came up with a list, like a bullet point list of these are the different like components I'm going to speak on, and then I just would pick one, and I would just start writing. So I started with a quote. Each chapter, I start with a quote from somebody else that relates to it, and then I would just start writing my thoughts on it, various perspectives, and that was how I kind of wrote it block by block. Can we get into... Because this was really interesting when I was reading it, and me and Blue had this conversation about uh, just, like what's just and what's justice, uh, and we can like get into that because that was really interesting when I was reading it. Yeah, and that's pretty tricky, man. Like we like to think of like justice is like the justice system, like the legal system, but clearly right now we can see that the legal system is not what justice is. Um. So, you know, I guess the way that I have conceptualized it in my life, something that I learned from a man, his name is Mark Passino. He's got a big, it's like a nine-hour video on the concept of natural law. Mm. And pretty much what he says is, you know, you can do whatever you want to do as long as it doesn't negatively affect somebody else. So if I go out and I do something, and it hurts somebody else in any way, like severely, not just like hurts their emotions. Like, you know, sure. You're going to like hurt people's feelings if they, that that's, that's maybe like another conversation. But if I go out and I do something that physically hurts somebody or, you know, messes with somebody's uh, well-being, and that's not just, I don't have the right to do that. If I go out and do something that hurts me, then that's okay because I'm not hurting somebody else. You know, that's that that's my choice to do that to myself. But pretty much, man, at the end of the day, it just comes down to doing things. Just don't do anything that doesn't hurt somebody else. And I guess you know nowadays when you when you get into the when you get into the idea of people being like emotionally hurt by things. It actually kind of really overcomplicates that now that I think about it because, you know, people getting offended, people getting hurt, like there has, there has to be a certain level of like emotional fortitude in a society for this to really make sense because regardless of what you're doing, man, you're going to, you're going to hurt somebody's feelings or somebody's going to feel like what you're doing is, is wrong. Like there's always, somebody's always going to have something to say. Uh, I think Jordan Peterson said this. Uh, in order to live in a free society, you have to risk will. You have to risk willing to offend someone. Yeah. Yeah. So that's freedom of speech, man. So yeah. You know, there's always going to be people who who might be offended. So, you know, maybe maybe the whole idea comes down to just not physically hurting people. Um, but you know, like as long as you're not taking other people's property, as long as you're not taking away somebody's ability to express themselves as long as you're not taking away somebody's ability to you know their free will it's really the biggest one free will somebody's free will as long as you're not imposing on other people's free will then um you know you're probably you're probably staying in your lane 
probably acting just so. And you're probably cool. Yeah. But once you start imposing on people's free will, and once you start controlling others, once you start kind of doing, you know, shit like that, um, you're just, you know, you're, uh, you're, you're not in your lane anymore. You're uh, starting to fuck with people. So if you want to get into, like, uh, the law, um, there is, like, the Constitution. Is that, I don't know. I'm not a, a lawyer or anything, but there's a Constitution, and then there's uh, laws that are made by the state. Is that... Well, what, what we're seeing now, laws being implemented um, to affect normal day life, like, that's... I don't think that's just... Yeah. Like, like masks being enforced upon the people. Yeah. Um, that doesn't sound just to me. It's pretty weird, man. It's pretty strange stuff going on, man. I mean, it, it, it's kind of tricky because, like, you know, in, like, the 70s when the seatbelt mandate came into place, like, there was a lot of people who were raising hell about seatbelts. Yeah. There was a lot of people who were like, you can't make me wear a seatbelt. You know? Yeah. I think seatbelts are good. <laughs> I think so, too. But also, at the end of the day, man, if you're not wearing a seatbelt, the only person it's going to affect is you. So I don't think that like somebody, I don't think that that law necessarily protects other people. It really just like if I don't wear a seatbelt and we get in an accident, I don't think that me not having a seatbelt on puts you any more at risk. So from that from that standpoint, it really wouldn't matter. Um, but yeah, you know the whole mask thing. I don't know, man. It's it's pretty strange. Yeah. I don't really get too much into um, the political side of things because I'm pretty uneducated in politics. I haven't really spent much time looking into it. I haven't really spent much time studying it. But, you know, America was founded on... It was founded on really Masonic principles, um, which is which is very peculiar. Essentially, the idea that somebody should be able to do whatever they want, they should have free will, they should be able to do whatever they want, they should have the ability to exercise whatever religion they want, they should be able to, they should be able to speak on what they want, they should be able to occupy themselves with what they want to do, and as long as it doesn't hurt other people, then that person, that human being has the right to practice that individuality and do that. Mm. Um, and, and really America was, this is really the last like yeah. chance we have to really get it right because this mm -hmm. is like the last big landmass. Um, a lot of these other countries were, a lot of countries were founded on similar ideas. Yeah. But, uh, well, the, the, the only country that has the constitution, which protects those individual rights in, in, inalienable rights Right. Is America? Yeah. I Maybe. Would, I would think so. Maybe. But I. But there's also something important to say about this: is that people get people get caught up about their rights. Mm. But how many of your rights would go out the door if if uh, society so collapsed? Like nature. Like how many of your mm. rights would not exist anymore if all of a sudden it was every man for himself? So like a right mm. is something that a human right. Like an inalienable right. Like, dude, if the apocalypse happened right now, a lot of our rights would be alienated because, like, somebody's going to come in and take our shit. 
Yeah. Or we're unless gonna go take like somebody else's shit. Unless we enforce it. Unless we enforce it. So yeah. really, a lot of these rights that people, these are privileges. These are yeah. pri- these are no, privileges. That is true. These yeah. are privileges that we have access to because of the government that we live under. Yeah. And we should be grateful for the government for protecting our privileges. Yeah. And we should protect our privileges, but. But when you get into the idea that like all of these things are rights, it's just kind of tricky, man. Because in nature, you have no fucking rights. <laughs> oh, you're right, bro. You have no fucking rights That's... in nature. If fucking alligator wants to eat you, it's gonna eat you. You can say no, my rights. No, you can't eat me. You can't do. There's yeah. no fucking rights in nature. In nature, it's raw, and yeah. it's, it goes to the strongest, the fastest, the smartest. Uh, yeah. There's no rights in nature. Um, maybe you have like the you have the ability to speak. The freedom of speech kind of exists in nature, to some extent. Like mm. you can sit there, like dude, we felt those fucking seagulls. Or yeah, you weren't there, but me and Rich were at the me and Rich and Natalie. We were at the uh, the coast. These seagulls are just like ah, ah, like they have the freedom to do that. Yeah, they can make noise all they want. You know, I can't stop them. Yeah, Unless yeah. I want to shoot them or something, but so you know maybe you know maybe in nature like the freedom of speech maybe kind of exists in nature, but mm. but dude humans our society that we live in man these are privileges these yeah, are no, things these are things that definitely. it comes that we have created order out of chaos and through doing that we have carved out certain things that we are able to enjoy in human life. And we should be very thankful for that. Yeah. But we also need to understand that um, most of most of our uh, rights that people, you know, speak on, most of our rights would not exist if it wasn't for either you defending them for yourself, or you creating them for yourself, or for a government entity or somebody bigger uh, creating and protecting them for you. So the idea of government is to, to create and protect those things. Mm. But now we're experiencing a government that's starting to take those things away. So yeah. now now you're now you're seeing people turn against the government. Now you're seeing the necessity uh, to protect those privileges for yourself. Mm. And without those privileges, I mean it's the it's it's those privileges that, that make us as humans unique. It's what we're able to do with those privileges that produce things like art and music and all these beautiful things that are able to come out of the creative space that you are in when you're not just trying to survive, you know, like for a long time, human beings, it was, dude, could you imagine like if you just, if you were worrying about finding food and finding water, like, and that was what you had to focus on. Yeah. And you were just focused on survival. You wouldn't have like time to like paint or make music you know, you'd be focused on surviving. But we live in a society that has elevated us above our basic needs of survival. Mm. So when that happens, you get um, you get you get art and you get creativity. And those types of things develop out of those societies that make themselves out of that. Yeah. And that's what makes humans different, man, is we we have all these other animals on the planet, they are constantly living in survival. They're constantly looking for food or looking for sustenance or looking for so like every day they're looking for survival mm-hmm. but we have removed ourselves from that by doing that we have opened ourselves up to a different way of life 
and beautiful yeah. things have come out of that. But also, also definitely, um, also the what, what, what was that quote? Hard times uh, create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good, good times, times create weak men. men. Yeah. Weak men create bad times. And I think uh, part of this, what's happening now is that we have it so good that it, we're, we're so used to that and it's creating this sort of weak. That's right. Dude. Yeah. Dude, yeah. So, so we've lifted ourselves above the need for survival. And on the positive side of that, you also have all these beautiful things like art, um, you know, you can engage in whatever hobby, just all the, all these, you know, art, music, film. I mean, art is kind of like a broad category for a lot of things, but you have all these wonderfully beautiful, creative endeavors that have come out of us not needing to survive anymore. But talking about, uh, talking about polarity earlier, mm -hmm. you know, for every tree, there's an equal shadow. So for all this good stuff that has come out of that, there's also an equal amount of bad stuff. Dude, nowadays, dude, we have no problems, man. If you live in America and you, like, if you live in America and you make, you're like the top 1%. You make $30,000 a year or maybe even less, bro, you were like the top 3% in the world of like a human being. You're living in the upper echelon of society. Do you know, do you know how hard it would have been back in the day? Like chocolate, for example. You couldn't get chocolate unless you were like a king. We were talking, you know, mm. hundreds, hundreds of years ago. Like these salt, even. Yeah, salt. People were paying salt. People the were Romans. hating salt. Yeah. But nowadays we have access to everything. You know, we are living like kings, bro. Dude, I have running water, hot and cold. Holy shit. I have hot and cold water. Um, I have a roof over my head. I have a bed. I have a car. You know, a toilet that you know have a you toilet. can flush shit that you don't, have, you don't have to see anymore. Yeah, and I got a plunger too if it gets real bad. <laughs> you know, I have all of these amazing things that for, for like the entirety of humankind, like it has never been this good to my knowledge. Yet somehow... People still want to complain. People still want to. Uh, people still want to complain that it's not good enough for them. So things wrong. So when we create all these positive things, we also create all of these fake negative things. Mm -hmm. All of these fake problems, and that's what's happening today in society is that everybody has fake problems. Everybody has fake problems, I and mean, people are you know, you know, getting offended and just worrying about all these little things. Where at the end of the day, man. You know, we don't have any problems here. I think it's good. Uh, I think it's good to create or have an external source of a problem, like uh, resistance, like creating your own, like going to the, the gym or running. Because, like, going back full circle, what we we're talking about, it's uh, training your mind to overcome these obstacles. Yeah, greatness comes out of resistance. Yeah. You need resistance to grow. Yeah. Why you go to the gym and you put you resist your muscles. So, yeah, dude, like great great men and great women develop themselves through adversity, mm -hmm. and that's why like one of those chapters is fortitude. And I think it was in that chapter where I, I'm, so like 
you game. You game a little bit, don't you? Yeah. So, I'm trying to think of a good game. Like, imagine if you're playing a game, I don't know, maybe like Super Mario Sunshine. One of those games where, like, you're traversing, like, levels. Little Big Planet. Yeah. One of those games where you're, like, traversing, like, levels. And imagine, like, if all you had to do was, like, walk forward, and then, like, you would win. It wouldn't be that fun. If there was no, like, obstacle in between you and victory. If there was no challenge, or there was no bad guy, or there was no puzzle, you wouldn't play that game. It would be no fun. Yeah. But somehow, when we view our own lives, anytime we come face-to-face with an obstacle, or a puzzle, or a challenge, um, we, uh, we, you know, a lot of people would recoil in the face of that. And they want an easy life. But at the end of the day, man, that easy game is not a fun game to play. Yep. The fun game is the one where the challenges are just challenging enough to really push you, but still doable. I mean, I don't know. I played some games where I was like, when I was a kid, I just couldn't figure. I was like, what the fuck? This is so confusing, and I just stopped playing them. So you wanna you wanna set goals for yourself that are that are challenging enough to create resistance, to where to where you really do have to work hard to make it happen. But not so far out there to where you can't see what the end of it looks like. Because if you set yourself too far, then yeah. then you're just at some point it's just I mean you have to also set a goal that's reasonable enough to where you can have some sort of vision behind it. Mm. If you put it if you put something too far out there, then it's probably not going to work out. You're going to overextend yourself. And you're going to get burnt out. Interesting. This is a sweet spot. Yeah. This is a sweet spot there. It's kind of a more, dude, change, shifting gears, going into the fourth, fifth gear. Are we really? Yeah. Which, um, fourth or fifth? Which one? Uh, let's, let's see. Let's go to sixth. Shit. <laughs> Shit. Kind of like uh, the idea of, well, when you smoke uh, DMT, okay. I've never smoked DMT, but from what I've kind of researched just a little bit, um, you, I don't know if you come to this realization that well I don't know if you, you don't want to speak of it but you'd come to this realization that uh, it's it's not the answer to life but you kind of know what's going on in a way so a lot of these drugs but, like these psychedelic drugs uh, I didn't mean to cut you off finish what you were going to say um, just finishing my sentence um, Terrence McKenna it's like if you know the if you get the message, hang up the phone, in a way. Yeah. And if you like, just adding to on onto what you were saying earlier, if you know the answer, is it really fun to play? Is is the game, a life really fun to play? Exactly, man. It's like yeah. it's you know, we have been creating myths since the beginning of, the beginning of time about men, mankind going and facing the unknown, and coming out with a prize. This is like an archetype. This is this is deeply ingrained into us. And what makes that so fun is that it is the unknown. You're you're traversing unknown territory, and that's exciting. Yeah. It's fun. Whether you're like Fuck yeah, dude. like like we went hiking today. Yeah. And I'd never been to where we went, and that was fun to traverse unknown territory. But it's also fun for me to talk to somebody who I don't know, and to traverse that unknown territory. 
to explore that person or to read a book that I'm not familiar with and to traverse that unknown territory or to, you know, engage in some sort of a discussion about something that I don't understand well with somebody who does. So facing the unknown and um, facing the unknown willfully and going into those situations with humility and understanding that you may not understand things, but through facing the unknown, you might come to some sort of an understanding, mm. whether that be of yourself or of the bigger picture. You know, that, that definitely, there definitely is something in humans that we are hardwired. What in the fuck was that? Is that a soccer ball? Soccer ball, yeah. Definitely <laughs> with the wall. Holy shit. Yeah. Dude, that almost knocked your TV off the wall. Does that happen often? Uh, well, that was a pretty uh, significant <laughs> hit on the wall, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, but, yeah, man, no, like, it wouldn't, it, it's not fun if you if you know the answers. Mm-hmm. It's not, like, just like you said, man, it's not fun if you know the answers. Yeah. So some people, some people use psychedelics for that to explore the unknown. Some people use meditation, which is just as effective as psychedelics, but it takes a lot longer. That's the thing, man. Like psychedelic drugs, like they're really interesting. And they're beautiful. And they're really, really cool. Mm-hmm. But um, it it is also a shortcut. All of these like psychedelic mm-hmm. states, all these psychedelic states that people go into, there there are people who have been accessing those states for thousands of years through meditation. It just takes a little bit longer. Sometimes it takes a whole lifetime to get down. Mm. Um, but yeah, man. And that's just coming, like I said earlier, man, challenging yourself, setting goals. Sure. Yeah. Like when you set a goal for yourself that's in the future. You have a purpose. You, you have a purpose, but you're also setting, you're also more than likely, ideally you're setting a goal for yourself that is something you haven't done before. Yeah. And as you do that, you're you're willingly extending yourself into the unknown, and you're extending yourself into the abyss. Yeah. And by doing that, you have no choice but to grow. Yeah. You know, you can't. It's like the. It's like. It's like uh, the whole hometown. You can't just stay in your hometown your whole life. People who stay in their hometowns their whole lives, you know, you, there's a certain learning curve where just you hit a brick wall so don't just stay in your hometown with your work with your philosophy with your spirituality with your relationships don't stay in that comfort zone yeah. extend yourself but to do that confidently you got to build a skill set you've got to you've got to develop some emotional fortitude you've got to be honest with yourself you more than likely need to have some sort of a moral compass some sort of an inner space that you've developed that, that gives you confidence in your own judgment. Mm. And and once you have those tools, you'll feel comfortable going into the jungle. You'll feel, you'll feel comfortable and you'll feel confident going and facing those challenges because you know that you've equipped yourself with the things necessary to take care of the job. If you don't have any skills and you don't, dude, if I didn't, if you don't have any skills or you don't know anybody, you don't have any relationships, then sure, it's like pretty understandable that what's that? That's interesting. Oh, okay, cool. Um, it's pretty understandable that you would want to, uh, you know, s- 
not trek out too far. That'd be dangerous, dude. Imagine like going into the wilderness like without a pocket knife, like with nothing, with no gear. That would be a bad idea. So going into the unknown might not always be a good idea because you could get fucked up. What's better is to is to equip yourself well. In, and in life, that would just be with a basic, you know, a basic social aptitude. You know, if you, ideally, you can walk into a room and you could converse with anybody in that room. Um, it's it's good to be able to do that. Mm-hmm. So you have some sort of a social aptitude that makes you feel confident in any social setting. You have some sort of a, an intellectual aptitude to understand things, where you feel comfortable comfortable talking about anything and even though it might not be something that you understand you can kind of form maneuver your way maneuver your way around it you can you can formulate opinions you can ask questions mm-hmm. um, and then you have some sort of a skill whether it's like sales marketing um, you have some sort of like a practical skill that that can be sold that's marketable mm-hmm. and if you uh if you have those things on your tool belt, then it's pretty easy to feel good moving your way through life, because you have you, you've you've given yourself the tools necessary to trek through the wilderness. The concrete jungle. The concrete jungle, bro. The fucking concrete jungle. Yep. Yeah, man. For real. Uh, is there anything else um, that you'd want to mention in the book that you think? Um would be that stands out to you dude really the only thing I can think of is just gratitude that's the biggest one dude being grateful for everything when you wake up ideally when you wake up the first thing you think is is gratitude and when you go to sleep so we're talking about subconscious right it's like one of the Mm -hmm. times when our subconscious mind is really working is when we're sleeping so you know when you wake up there's a certain there's a certain window of time where your brain waves are still in a lucid state, meaning that your subconscious is easily influenced. Mm-hmm. So ideally, when you wake up, the first thing that comes to your mind is thoughts of gratitude. Mm-hmm. Thank, I'm glad that I woke up this morning. Thank you for the sun. Thank you for my bed. Yeah. Thank you for my partner. If you're waking up next to somebody, um, you, know, you have food in the fridge. Thank you for the breakfast I'm about to have giving thanks to creation, right? Um, And then as you go to sleep, you should do the same thing. You should fall asleep to thoughts of gratitude. And what you're doing when you do that is you're you're sandwiching your sleep with with gratitude. You're thinking it as you go to sleep and you're thinking it as you wake up. And when you get yourself on a gratitude vibe, maybe is a way to put it, when when you are grateful... God will give you more things to be grateful for. It's kind of like you can only catch you can only catch a fish. Your ability to catch a fish really comes down to the size of your hook or the size of your net. If I have a small net, I can only catch a small amount of fish. But if I have a very big net, I can catch more fish. And by practicing gratitude, by practicing that in my life, you are increasing your uh, your capacity for life and abundance mm-hmm. and by increasing your capacity by being grateful for the things that you already have 
by practicing an expansive. See, like we're either expanding or we're contracting. Like there's no in between. By practicing an expansive, grateful mindset, you're increasing your capacity for good things coming in your life. And, the, and we can only the only things that are going to come into our lives are the things that we have the capacity for. Mm. So really, man, like the la- I think it's the last chapter is. Uh, that's just the biggest one. All I can say is, like, if somebody's somebody should buy it and read it. Um, if you read it and you don't like it, they can reach out to me and I'll give them their money back. No. Um, like the book doesn't cost that much money. Yeah. It's super easy to read. Um, yeah, if somebody reads the book and they don't like it, they can mail it to me and I'll, I'll give them their money back. Um, it's uh, it's written super simply. And I think it's important, man. But this is just the beginning. Just getting started. Yeah, man, I'm just getting started. I have, I have uh, a lot more that I need to talk about. Cool. Well, yeah. where can people fo- uh, find you, follow you, social yeah. media? Yeah, man. Social, you know, They can email me, warrensturry at gmail.com if they want to start a conversation there. Ideally, you guys just follow me on, uh, on Instagram. They can hit me up on Instagram at N-W-S-T-E-U-R-Y. I'm sure we can like put a graphic on the screen or something. You know? Yeah. But yeah, you know, yes, hit, hit me up through uh, Instagram. It's probably the best way to get in touch with me. And I love to have conversations. Um, what I love more than people telling me how good things are is I love criticism. So I challenge people to challenge my ideas, uh, help me figure out where I'm wrong. And through that, maybe we can come to an understanding of things together. So. You know, I'd love to hear from people who disagree with me on certain things. I'd love to hear from people who think that I'm wrong. I'd love to hear from people who uh, who have a different opinion. I find those conversations far more um, beneficial than people who just agree with everything that I'm saying. So, because, um, you know, I don't know much. So it's just like, um, the only way I can grow is through challenging my beliefs. That's what I'm here to do. All right. Well, that's it, man. I really, uh, dude, this was fun. Yesterday was fun, too. Today was fun. Dude, we should have recorded all of it, dude. We, we yeah, I think the lens cap was on on the, on the cameras. I don't think we captured this, <laughs> this conversation. Dude, we, uh, we, yeah, we've had a good two days, man. Yeah. Hiking around, going to Santa Barbara, going down to Long Beach today. Um, it's been a great time in California, dude. Fuck yeah. It's been For, a fantastic trip. I'm very, I'm very grateful. Many more. Yeah, I will be back. Definitely. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Peace. All right. Ciao. See you guys.